Grace, mercy, and peace are yours. From God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, amen. There is a time for everything, Solomon wrote in Ecclesiastes chapter 3, and a purpose for everything under the heavens. That's we've used that phrase from Solomon's Ecclesiastes, a time to plan, as our sermon theme for the last few weeks, and we'll finish up the sermon series next weekend. But today we want to see what Solomon is talking about as he reflects upon his life. He looks back at the end of his life at how he spent the time that God gave him and encourages us to think about our own times and the time that God gives us in this world. Today we'll focus on a time to plan, seeing both the plans that God has for us through Jesus and then the plans in our own life as well. A couple weeks ago I was privileged to have Three young men from Luther Prep School shadow me during their taste of ministry. But can I just tell you that that's an awful lot of pressure? For instance, they came on Saturday afternoon and and a lot of my Saturday and early Sunday morning is spent memorizing my sermon for Sunday. Do you know how boring it is to watch somebody memorize something? It wasn't exactly exciting for them to shadow me for that time. They enjoyed, I think, their time here at chapel and getting to know people and take part in the service. But I was thinking about that. If I had to pick someone to shadow, a day in the life of someone, who would I pick? Maybe you can think about this for yourself for a moment too. Maybe an astronaut. Maybe a famous singer or athlete or actor. Maybe a president or a governor or somebody like that to see what it is that they do during the day that actually seems a little bit more exciting than what I do. Then I thought about this. How awesome would it have been to shadow Jesus for a day? To walk around with the Savior and see what he did on a day-to-day basis. The Gospel of Mark gives us that opportunity and chapter 1 is a chapter in Mark where we get to walk with Jesus through this day and, and see the things that he did and how God had plans for Jesus to both heal and save. And that's what we're going to focus on today as we look at these few verses from Mark chapter 1, a time to plan. And as we see the plans that Jesus had for his own day, for his own life in this world, and we then consider our own plans, we'll remember this, Jesus plans to heal. And then Jesus plans to save. Where we picked it up in the gospel lesson where I'm about to read to you again is is about the middle of the day on that Saturday that Mark is reporting about, the Sabbath day. Jesus and his disciples have gone to the synagogue and while Jesus preached at the synagogue, there was a man who was struggling with demon possession. And Jesus drove the demon out and it got to people to talking. Who who is this new teacher who can do these amazing things? That's where we're going to pick up the story in that day in Mark chapter 1. As soon as they left the synagogue, they went with James and John to the home of Simon and Andrew. Simon's mother-in-law was in bed with a fever and they immediately told Jesus about her. So he went to her, took her hand and helped her up. The fever left her and she began to wait on them. Maybe just a brief note about the Simon. We know him better as Peter, the Lord's disciple Peter. This is Peter's home in Capernaum that these things are happening at. Have you ever wondered this? Why in the Bible God chose to have four gospels? Why tell the story of Jesus' life 
four different times. I bet as you've read the Gospels, you've kind of picked up on some of these things. You've picked up as you've read the Gospels that they obviously are written for different groups of people. And they emphasize different things. And so I want to talk to you just briefly this morning about Mark's Gospel. Mark's Gospel was written with with Peter as the source of that gospel. And it's written primarily for Gentiles. You can see that as you read through Mark because there's very few, as only one reference to an Old Testament passage, a verse. And then Peter also tells Mark how to explain the things to his Gentile, his Gentile readers that they would not have been familiar with in Jewish culture. But here's the best part of what Mark does kind of playing to the Gentiles' needs and desires, he focuses on Jesus as someone with tremendous power. Power that a normal human being doesn't have. As a matter of fact, I know a pastor who told me that when he describes the gospel of Mark, he says Mark gives us the superhero Jesus. The miracles that Jesus did, proving that he is the son of God and somebody amazing. And there's Jesus at the synagogue healing a man with demon possession. And then they go back to Peter's house and Peter and maybe the other disciples too are wondering, are these miracles that we're getting to see, the things that Jesus is doing for other people, are are those things he's going to be willing to do for us too? And their questions are answered pretty readily because when they get back to Peter's house, his mother-in-law is lying in bed sick with a fever. I don't know, I don't know what they had in Peter's day and Jesus' day to treat somebody with a fever, but I can guarantee you they don't have some of the blessings that we have today when we have fevers, ways to reduce fever, to make ourselves feel a little bit better. And the fact that his mother-in-law is at home lying in a bed probably gives us a pretty good indication that this was not an easy illness that she was going through. But did you see how Jesus answers the question, will he help his own disciples and their families too? It's so understated. He simply walks into the bedroom, grabs her by the hand, lifts her up, and her fever is gone. Maybe it doesn't strike you as a miracle right away until you read what's next. Her hospitality gene kicks in and she's like, I have these people in my house. I have to wait on them. I have to serve them dinner. And she's up and about like nothing had ever happened. So let me ask you, when's the last time that was you? Laid up in bed with a fever, can't really breathe very well, you don't really want to move because you're achy, you don't want to eat, you can't go to work, and then you lay there and wonder, am I ever, ever, ever going to feel right and normal again? I'm guessing that some of you can relate to that. If you've never been in that position, count your blessings. But here you are today. And so at some point, if that's ever been you, Jesus healed you. He gave you health. You're here. I don't see any thermometers sticking out of anybody's mouth, so I think we're okay. And then we consider other things other problems that we have in our lives, other sicknesses, sicknesses that don't heal so easily. Maybe some of you here can think for yourselves or loved ones who are in your life who are dealing with those kind of diseases, those chronic illnesses, the cancers, things that don't seem to go away. 
Does Jesus heal those too? We know he can. We know that Jesus invites us to come to him with all of our requests, all of our sorrows, all of our worries, and he promises that he will hear and answer. It's interesting that that's exactly what happens at the house of Peter. Listen to the next verse, verse 32. That evening after sunset, the people brought to Jesus all the sick and demon-possessed. I almost would love to have been a fly on the wall of the conversation that happened in Peter's house. There's a knock at the door. Peter goes and says, hey, uh, Jesus, you have some visitors. Who is it? Jesus says. Looks like the whole town. That's what verse 33 said. The whole town actually came to see Jesus. The whole town was there because they're hoping. They're hoping that what they heard about Jesus earlier that day at the synagogue was something that was waiting for them when they came to Jesus. Maybe just a note about why they waited until the evening. It was the Sabbath day, a Saturday, and there were restrictions on how far a person was supposed to walk on the Sabbath day. And so they waited until those restrictions were lifted at sundown that evening. And when that came, everything that they had heard about Jesus took them and hurried them to the home of Peter. They're searching, hoping. Maybe this is the man. This is the one we've heard about who can help us, who can heal our diseases and our sicknesses and drive out demons. And that's exactly what Mark says he does. He healed sicknesses. He cured people of the things that were keeping them down physically. And then he drove out demons as well. More about that in just a moment. But then I think about you and I think about me as we come here on another Sunday morning, maybe we're loaded down with the worries of this past week. Maybe it's schoolwork. Maybe it's our jobs. Maybe it's some stress that's going on in our lives. Maybe it's pain and sickness that you're dealing with too. And you come here today knowing that someone's waiting for you. That's Jesus. That's your Savior who wants to hear everything that's going on in your life, who, who wants to hear your voice calling out to him, who invites you to call on him in the day of trouble. Like those people in Capernaum who went to Jesus' door, that's Jesus' invitation to you too, to go to him, to go to Jesus with your troubles, to lay them at his doorstep, to ask for his help and blessing. But maybe this has been your thought, like mine, from time to time. You, maybe you've gotten a little frustrated when the sickness doesn't seem to go away, when the loved one continues to suffer from cancer, when the problems in your life just seem to multiply and stack one on top of another. Does God know? Does he really care about us? Sometimes we're filled with hopelessness because we think God is so far away, he can't possibly know what's happening to us in our lives. Don't you love the report of what happened here in Mark? Jesus didn't turn anybody away. The whole town was at his door. And yet there's Jesus healing, taking time, patiently loving every single person that came to him. One of the things that becomes a temptation in our world today when frustration hits is looking for answers in other places. This is going to fit in. I, I want to take just a little aside here to talk about the demon possession in the Bible, especially as Jesus drove out demons. 
So I'm going to put a picture on the board just to see if you still can relate to things that I grew up with. Anybody recognize that? Okay, I see some students nodding. That makes me feel so good because that means it wasn't just something from long, long ago. You remember these little things? I think they called them finger fortune tellers or something like that. And you put colors on the outside and then if you said green, you had to move it five times and then there was a number on the inside and you moved it again and you lifted it up. Okay, some of you remember. Please, I'm not trying to ruin your childhood. There's probably nothing wrong with, it's completely harmless. But then we had growing up, do we still have these magic eight balls? You know what I'm talking about? You ask it a question, you shake it, and then it supposedly gives you an answer. Again, maybe no big deal. But then don't people graduate to things that are maybe a little bit bigger deal? A daily reading of a horoscope, tarot cards, maybe a Ouija board, going to a psychic or a fortune teller, a crystal ball. And I think we have to stop and ask ourselves this question. Are those things from God or are they from somewhere else? You might know that throughout scripture, God says that those kind of things are not to be used by his people because it isn't God's power that's behind them. Everything that God wants us to know, he's told us in scripture. And so then the only other side of that is someone else's power. And if that's the power of the demon world, the power of Satan, this I can guarantee you. Satan does not want one thing that's good for you. He doesn't want one thing that will benefit you in the long run. Oh, he might promise you some things that make it seem like he cares about you. He did that with Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, didn't he? You'll be like God, knowing good and evil. But that wasn't a good thing. See, what Satan wants for you more than anything is to pry you away from God. He wants to take you and your soul away from him and that gets me to thinking about demon possession. As I, as I read through the Bible, it seems to me, and maybe you've had the same impression, that demon possession seems far more common in the Bible than maybe it does today. Could I offer two possible explanations for that? Number one, it is possible that that's actually true. That somehow Satan knew that Jesus showing up on earth, that there was something special happening. He may not have known exactly what but his effort to stop Jesus and his saving work might have found itself in all of the demons that we see and hear about in the Gospels that Jesus drove out and the disciples as well. Perhaps there's a second possibility. Maybe Satan's work today is just a lot more subtle. Maybe he's just as much as work in our day as he was in the day of Jesus, only we don't always recognize him. You heard it in the lesson about Job. When Satan describes himself as going back and forth through the earth, roaming around on it. Or Peter who says, your enemy like the devil prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. My goal this morning is not to scare you as we talk about Satan. One of my favorite parts of the Job story, did you catch it as we read through it? Is that Satan could only go as far as God allowed him. Don't lay a hand on the man, God had said. And that's true for us today too. We have one far more powerful than Satan. We have Jesus who came to this world and crushed Satan's head by his death on the cross. We have Jesus who assures you that you are his by his resurrection from the dead that promises you full and free forgiveness of your sins. So when you think about wanting to know the future and the, and the things that the future might hold, 
Is there any better place to go than the one who is willing to die for you? And anybody else who promises you that they might have answers to your future are only trying to pry you away from that Savior. See, that's at the heart of Jesus who wanted to heal. And as we follow Jesus along on this day, what happens next is pretty amazing. Jesus goes from there after healing for who knows how long that evening to getting up early the next morning to spend some time with his heavenly Father in prayer. See, the why Jesus healed wasn't just because he wanted people to experience the joy of having health again, the joy of being free from demon possession. He wanted something a lot more for those people. And it's the same thing that he wants for you and me. Jesus came into this world not just to heal, but even more to rescue. Jesus came into this world to save. That was God's plan for Jesus. To come take your place and mine, to live in our place, a perfect life. To go to a cross, to take away our sins, to rise from the dead, to guarantee that we are one with God. That's Jesus and his work. I love how he says it to his disciples when they finally found, find him. They say, Jesus, everyone's looking for you. And Jesus says, well, let's go on to the next town because I got some preaching to do there too because that's why I came. He came for everyone. And that means he came to save you and me. I can't promise you that every ache and pain, that every disease, that every problem that you ever have in this life, that Jesus is going to make it go away like that. But what I can promise you is this. He knows. He won't ever leave you. He knows exactly where you are in your life and he knows exactly what is best for you. And Jesus fills you with hope. The hope that Jesus fills you with is this. No matter what happens in this life, your place in heaven is already secured. Jesus already grabbed that for you by his life and death and resurrection. And so we can give this encouragement. I don't know if the people ran to Jesus' home that night to be healed. Maybe they walked, but we get to sprint. We get to run to the arms of Jesus. Run to the one who not only heals, but wants to save as well. And we know this, that he's waiting. He's waiting to hear your issues, your problems, your frustrations, and he's waiting to welcome you to a home with him forever in heaven. A couple takeaways from our sermon this morning. Number one, Jesus knows every burden we carry and has the power to heal. Do you know these words of Jesus from Matthew chapter 11? Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Number two, no request is too great or too small to take to God. We feel that way sometimes, don't we? Well, well maybe I shouldn't bother God with my problem. It's not that bad. But God wants us to pray about anything and everything. I love the New Living Translation of of Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. It just says this, Don't be anxious about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Finally, number three, Jesus planned to save us and died, so we will live forever with him. We had it as part of our confession earlier. Maybe you know these words of Jeremiah 29. I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Your future with your Lord in heaven is secure. But wait, you might say, how do I know? 
How do I know that God is going to work for good in all things? How do I know that even in the middle of my pain that Jesus is there? Can I just invite you to look at Jesus' hands? Look at the hands of Jesus that bear the marks of nails. Nails that he allowed to be driven into those hands to rescue you and to rescue me. Hands that Jesus brought to this earth and healed people here in this life. Hands that want to serve you every single day. He wants to serve you through his word, through the sacrament of the Lord's Supper, through recalling your baptism that makes you a child of God. Jesus serves you with those hands still today. And Jesus wants you to think about that as you make your own plans. Plan to connect with Jesus through his word. Plan to take your requests, your prayers, your thanksgiving to your Lord in prayer. And then plan, best of all, that those hands of Jesus, they're waiting. Waiting to welcome you home to him forever in heaven. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen.